Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Well, it seems like it's been much longer since our last episode, and it's only been a week. Anyway, folks, welcome back to Nickster News. I am your host, Nick. We are a week away from Christmas, literally one week away from Christmas. I, I know other holidays are going on as well, so happy holidays to those of you who celebrate Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and, and whatever else might be going on. Uh, happy Festivus uh, from me, as I, I am someone who prefers Festivus over the other holidays. That's a that's a joke for you Seinfeld fans, obviously. Anyway, we have a fully packed show for you today. It is locked and loaded and ready to go. So instead of wasting time on telling you to check us out on social media and and all that other hullabaloo, let's get right into what was going on this past week and the biggest thing in video games was the Game Awards, folks. Uh, Game Awards happens every year in December, hosted by Jeff Keighley, a former member of the video game press. It is jam-packed with announcements and trailers and upcoming games and giving awards to the best games of the year. Uh, I just want to point out some of the winners here. Uh, Game of the Year went to Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, uh, best Game Direction went to Death Stranding. Best Game Narrative went to Disco Elysium. Art Direction to Control, which deserves it. Best Score went to D- D- Death Stranding, which I'm kind of surprised by. I'm not a big fan of the music in that game. Best Action went to Devil May Cry 5. Action Adventure to Sekiro. RPG, Disco Elysium. I'm going to have to check this game out. Uh, fighting, Super Smash, obviously. And a plethora of other awards that have no time to go into right now that you can leisurely browse at your own time online anyway we need to get into all of the major announcements that just were just dropped like like the fucking h-bomb left and right Big ones. Uh, Maneater, the game where you get to play as a man-eating shark, has finally gotten a release date of May 22nd. Godfall, this awesome-looking looter-shooter-type, brawler-type game coming to PS5 and uh, PC, uh, looks really cool. A new uh, Dungeons & Dragons game that looks really cool called uh, Dark Alliances. And they're calling that a a spiritual successor to the Baldur's Gate series, if you guys were really into those. We also got announcements for two League of Legends games. The first one being called Ruined uh, Ruined King. Uh, It's called Ruined King, A League of Legends Story. The other is called Convergence, A League of Legends Story. Uh, The Ruined King is a single-player experience. Not entirely sure what... Uh, convergences. They didn't really announce that. We also got a new game called Prologue coming from Player Unknown. Uh, nothing was shown other than like an environment rendered in a game engine. Uh, new DLC announced for Control. 
Uh, it's all single player where you go back to the oldest house. A new Magic the Gatherings MMO was announced. It's called Magic Legends. Their first foray into into large scale gaming like that, uh, non non card based, of course. Uh, Gears Tactics, the uh, XCOM like uh, Gears of War game, is going to come out on April twenty eighth. We got an uh, an announcement date finally on that. A game called Weird West from former develop developers of Dishonored looks really awesome. It's an RPG uh, type of game from from what it looks like. The art art style on their previews looked really cool as well. It's black and white and, and some other things. We got a final uh, release window for the new PlayStation exclusive Ghosts of Tsushima, which will be a PlayStation 4 game and not PlayStation 5. Uh, they're saying summer 2020. The Wolf Among Us is coming back, a Wolf Among Us 2, formerly a Telltale game. Uh, it is coming from a new developer, which I guess got the rights to it and everything like that, and they're, they're going to be making that. Uh, also, No More Heroes 3 was announced for Switch. That's an ongoing series on, on Nintendo platforms. Uh, all, all of these got trailers as well, so you, you can uh, watch all of these online. There are a, a lot of them were really, really cool, so, so definitely check those out. Uh, also, sorry if I'm blowing through these. There's a, there's a big announcement I want to get to. Um, I'm just trying to cover as much of them as possible. Uh, Amazon finally announced their uh, foray into the MMO space. It's going to be called New World. Um, expected to release in May of 2020. Got an announcement for new Elder Scrolls Online uh, expansion, Elsewhere, I think that's how you say it. Um, but also hinting at a possible expansion uh, heading to Skyrim in the near future. So yet another version of Skyrim coming to a console or PC near you. Uh, in what I think is the weirdest looking game and does not look appealing at all, despite it being a franchise I love. Uh, being made by Slightly Mad Studios, who we talked about last week, makers of uh, Project Cars. A game called Fast and Furious Crossroads. It will feature Dom and Letty from the movies. Uh, looks like it takes place in the video game, um, or video game, in the movie universe. Uh, and you play some, some other characters being introduced. Uh, granted, I, I don't know how real... Or how uh, I sh I shouldn't say real. I don't know how this game's gonna turn out. It looks looks pretty pretty sad if you ask me. But again, who knows? It might be amazing and play amazing. It's being made by a really good studio, so we'll we'll see how that turns out. And the biggest 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 fucking announcement to come out at the Game Awards is the announcement of the name. Of the next Xbox. Along with that was a trailer for the next Hellblade game. Uh, Hellblade 2 Senua's Saga. Uh, it was all rendered in engine. Um, that doesn't mean anything other than it's not a cutscene. I mean it's it's not a pre-rendered cutscene. Which it looks fucking awesome. Um, but anyway... The next Xbox, which is being called Xbox Series X, and they, they clarified that the name is Xbox, and that particular version of the console is being called Series X. I think Scarlet would have been better in the long run. Uh, granted, they're sticking with just Xbox, which is 
always good as well. Might cause some confusion next holiday, though, with the Xbox One X, the Xbox Series X, the Xbox One S. Who knows if there'll be another series model next year. But uh, confusion aside, it uh, starts with this awesome trailer about dreams becoming reality and just showing different environments changing and things like this. Um, no price yet, obviously. Phil Spencer was on stage. Uh, a new controller shown off. It looks exactly like a, a Xbox One controller. However, they said there are some minor ergonomic differences. It's a little smaller. Uh, the joystick is the same. However, the D-pad is, is more like the D-pad from the Elite con uh, Series 2 con controller. And then it also has a new button in the middle, which is a share button. Uh, similar to the share button that already exists on the PlayStation 4 controller, although this is a third button entirely, uh, separate from, you know, the Xbox Jewel button and, and everything like that. But we're going to talk about the design of the console itself. Um, some confusion when it got first announced, because people thought you might not be able to lie it on its side horizontally, but in fact you can. Uh, it's essentially... A square rectangular box shape, almost looking like a PC tower. A lot of funny memes were like, oh, the uh, uh, console war or console versus PC is, is getting uh, closer and closer together. They're not much different anymore. I'm butchering whatever I just tried to say, but you get the gist, gist of it. Uh, it doesn't look very big either. It looks to be about as wide as a controller and... Uh, Looks to be as tall as about maybe two and a half, three controllers. It's it's very, very simple, understated. It does have a disk drive. And it's amazing that they're able to fit all of that very powerful stuff into that small form factor, essentially. Uh, it does have a very large grill shape on the top for the fan that does light up green. It is a black muted console. It does not look anything flashy. I'm, I'm sure special editions will come as we get closer to release. But that is the Xbox Series X, and I think that had to be the biggest bombshell of the week. We still don't know what a PlayStation 5 looks like, though, and I'm sure I'm sure that will be coming soon. But that's uh, I wonder when they're going to do that, because they did have their state of play this month, and they didn't show anything off. And I, I wonder if they'll do it early in the next year at a special event. But no pricing on, on Xbox Series X. No word on if that's the only console they'll be releasing at the time. But it'll be interesting to see what it looks like. We don't know what it looks like in reality. This was just a trailer. People have surmised what it will look like. We don't know how the ports will interact on the back. We have yet to get a physical manifestation of this console. But I'm sure that will be coming soon. Oh, and just a quick note. Uh, all peripherals and uh, backwards compatibility will be enabled on the Xbox Series X when it releases next fall. So you don't have to worry about being left in the cold. If, uh, I should say, you shouldn't have to worry about all your Xbox One stuff being left in the cold when you upgrade next year or in the f sometime in the future. And you don't have to worry about buying games immediately or buying new controllers or anything like that as everything they have now will work once you plug in your new console. That was the Game Awards, folks. That was uh, a lot to talk about. Like I said, a lot of cool 
A lot of cool looking games coming. Like I said, Godfall looks the coolest. Uh, this new Hellblade trailer got me interested. I'm definitely going to have to play Hellblade 1 now. I do have Game Pass, so I'll definitely have to check that out. And uh, looking forward to some other of these games. I'm still not sold on Ghost of Tsushima just yet, but I'm, I'm sure I'll look into it. And Maneater, of course, that game. I've had my eye on that for a couple years. I do want to be able to play as a man-eating shark. Uh, looks fun. Anyway, moving on to some other video game news. We still got a, a lot going on here. Um, what is this? Uh, Minecraft now does have cross-play enabled with PlayStation 4. It was already enabled with PC and Nintendo Switch. Uh, Sony finally allowed the bridge to be built across the gap. And if you are playing Minecraft and have friends on PlayStation 4 and vice versa, you can now go ahead and do that. Uh, also got an announcement of a new Bioshock game being made by a new studio that 2K formed called Cloud, Cloud Chamber. Excuse me. Uh, they said it will be worked on for the next several years. And don't expect a release for the next several years. So this is probably going to be a next-gen game. So it looks like Bioshock is skipping this generation entirely, just like a, a few other major game series have. But no matter, sometimes they'll come back bitter, bigger and better than ever. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that turns out. Also, news. On the cover art that was released for the Final Fantasy VII Remake, it lists it as a timed PlayStation 4 exclusive until 2021. Hinting at possible moves to other consoles. Probably Xbox, more than likely PC. And that is not the only game to go cross-gen in 2021. In what is probably the biggest news of a, a console exclusive going to other platforms, Sony has announced that MLB The Show will be on other platforms as early as 2021. Uh, they signed a new deal with the uh, Major League Baseball, and they did say, uh, I don't know if I have a direct quote, but uh, Phil Spencer chimed in, head of Xbox, saying, um, great to see the game is coming to more players, hinting at maybe he knows something. Uh, Nintendo of America also retweeted the news, uh, subtweeting with a baseball emoji, nothing else. Uh, it is made by Sony Studios, uh, SIE, Sony Interactive Entertainment in San Diego, our, our home, my hometown here. Uh, they also said uh, it will no longer be a, a PlayStation exclusive. This is this is crazy, if you ask me. Major news. Uh, this is per um, MLB.com. Uh, Major League Baseball, the Major League Baseball Players Association and Sony Interactive Entertainment and San Diego Studio jointly announced today that they have entered into multi-year extensions to continue development and distribution of MLB The Show. Um, also tweeted, Xbox tweeted, no more away games. Uh, this is the official press release I'll read to you here. Just give me one second. Uh, for immediate release, MLB, MLBPA, Sony Interactive Entertainment, and San Diego Studio announced multi-year, multi-platform video game partnership extensions. Major uh, New York, San Diego, December 9th, 2019. Major League Baseball, 
MLB, the Major League Baseball Players Association, MLBPA, Sony Interactive Entertainment, SIE, and San Diego Studio jointly announced today that they have entered into multi-year extensions to continue development and distribution of MLB The Show, the award-winning officially licensed video game. In addition, the historic expansion of the long-standing partnership will bring MLB The Show for the first time ever to additional console platforms beyond PlayStation platforms as early as 2021. Complete details will be announced at a later date. San Diego Studio has been creating officially licensed baseball video games enjoyed by millions of fans for more than 20 years, with MLB The Show 20, which will feature Chicago Cubs star Javier Baez, El Mago, as its cover athlete. The studio will be commemorating the 15th anniversary of MLB The Show's franchise next year through a variety of unique promotions and new gameplay features. MLB The Show is officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, Follow MLB The Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for the latest information and updates. Whoa. That's nuts. So, my thing is, I'm not entirely sure if San Diego Studio... Last time I checked, they're still part of Sony. I think they used to be 989 Studios, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm going to look that up right now as we... Yeah, so it's SIE San Diego Studio. Uh, They also made a couple other games... They were founded. Oh yeah, so they were nine. They were pretty much their predecessor was Nine Eight Nine Studios, former makers of of different sports games. They have made a lot of other sports games, NBA for PlayStation, all internal. Uh, but lately, they've just been doing the show, and nothing else really. Um, they have made some other games, but nothing nothing in in a number of years. So it's interesting to see that I'm guessing the MLB kind of forced that. I, I don't see... Yes, baseball games are, are a big seller, but you don't see the show selling as well as uh, NBA 2K or Madden NFL or FIFA. So this is probably the M- MLB kind of saying, hey, you guys make the best baseball game. What do we have to do to get it on other platforms so we can sell a lot of copies? And yes, PlayStation is the number one selling console. Yes, PlayStation 4 has the most consoles out there, but that's worldwide. And baseball is really only big in Japan, the U.S., and, and Latin American countries. Baseball is not big in Europe. Xbox does have a large following here in America. It's one of the few places it sells very well. Uh, obviously not as well as PlayStation, but if they can get that game onto the hands of gamers on Switch and Xbox in the U.S., they can definitely push a lot more copies out the door. I welcome this. Um, granted, I've had a PlayStation 4 for a number of years. I can always play the show there. Uh, but I'm, I'm always it's always nice to see a, a sports game like this come into other consoles because it, it sucks because Xbox hasn't had a uh, good baseball game in a very, very long time. And it, it's nice to see a lot of those people finally get the opportunity because not everyone can afford to own both consoles. Uh, sticking on the PlayStation wagon here for a little bit, they had their PlayStation State of Play, which is similar to what Xbox does with their um, their live stream that they do like every other month. We did get some announcements here. Uh, Untitled Goose Game is coming to PS4, and actually, by the time you guys are listening to this, it will actually be live. Uh, you'll be able to get it. Uh, Dreams will have its full release on February 14th, uh, Valentine's Day. That new Media Molecule game. Got a new trailer for the Kingdom Hearts DLC, Remind. 
doesn't seem to button up any story points at all. Uh, but it is bringing back Leon, Yuffie, Aerith, uh, Final Fantasy stars that have been missing from Kingdom Hearts since the f- second game. The main second game, I want to say. if they were, bar- they were barely in that, and they were mostly in the first game. Uh, that will release on January 23rd. Looks like you get to play as Roxas, get some more expanded stuff as Sora and things like this. So, it'll be interesting how that plays out. It's getting more convoluted as time goes on. Uh, Goss also got a release date for the Predator, the 4v1 Predator game that is a PlayStation and PC exclusive. That will release on April 24th of 2020. So now you guys can start planning out your 2020 gaming calendars as it is coming your way. But that's not it. Also in April is officially announced Resident Evil 3 Remake. It looks like they're give, Capcom is giving the same remake treatment that they did to Resident Evil 2 to Resident Evil 3. Looks very nice and crisp. Uh, we'll also feature that multiplayer game. I, I can't think of it now. Uh, the one where you battle Mr. X a lot. Like a 4v1 game. Looks like those are making a comeback. And that uh, will release April 3rd. If you're a big Resident Evil fan. Um, also announced this week. Really odd. Uh, Forza Horizon 4 is getting a 72 card uh, battle royale mode. I don't know if it's racing or... Or battling or something, but I'll, I'm definitely going to give that a shout this week. I do have the break. Uh, I do have the next week off from work uh, with the holidays and everything, so I'm, I'm definitely going to get to check that out. And I'll follow up with that hopefully in a couple weeks. Also announced, Mortal Kombat 11 got a new patch that added crossplay, so now you'll be able to play against your friends on other consoles. And uh, rip their spines out. (laughs) Uh, Fortnite adds split-screen capabilities to PlayStation 4 and Xbox One versions of the game. So if you've ever wanted to play Fortnite co-op with a friend, now you can. I don't know how many people are actually doing that. I'm sure it's more for the children. Anyone who plays HQ Trivia knows what that's a reference to. And, uh, no surprise here, Modern Warfare has topped November's sales charts... Um, a month after uh, the second month of release, essentially, even topping Pokemon, uh, it was number one, followed by, uh, so number one was Call of Duty Modern Warfare, number two was Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, big surprise there, uh, three was Sword, Pokemon Sword, four was the Pokemon Sword and Shield double pack, and five was Pokemon Shield, uh, it's really funny that the double pack beat out Shield. Looks like not that many people cared about S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, it's also telling that Pokemon was not the number one selling game, despite being more accessible to people than, than a Call of Duty game. But granted, Call of Duty is multi-platform and cross-play, so obviously it's going to sell more. Uh, also, apparently the president of Wizards of the Coast was being interviewed. You know, he makes the Dungeons and & Dragons, makes a lot of card games like uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, things like this. Actually, I don't know if Wizards of the Coast actually still makes Pokemon cards. Anyway, uh, they might. I, I could be mistaken. Uh, he has announced that there are at least seven or eight Dungeons & Dragons games in active development right now. Yes, you heard that right. 
seven or eight Dungeons and Dragons games, including the one we announced before, uh, or mentioned before, I should say, that was announced at the Game Awards. What's it? Uh, Dark Alliances. So if you are a big D&D fan, you'll be able to check that out. Uh, and you will be, uh, if your patience will be pleasantly rewarded, I should say. And that is it for video games. How about that? Um, got some TV news. Not a whole lot. Uh, will Poulter was set to star in Amazon's Lord of the Rings show. But it seems like he has to drop out for scheduling reasons. Uh, this is being reported by Variety. And right after... I mean, he only joined the show in September. It's a little odd that he'd have scheduling issues now. Unless a bigger role came about. I don't know what's bigger than a Lord of the Rings show on Amazon. Um, but this is right on the heels of them casting uh, Emma Horvath in a undisclosed role. Uh, she's an up-and-coming actress. Uh, they don't. They haven't listed what she's playing yet, but they've lost their star of their show. Uh, this show is supposed to come out in the next year and a half, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, it's too bad. It's too bad. Uh, HBO has announced that Johnny Galecki and HBO Max are partnering to produce a show called Griswold's Vacation Show. Uh, no word on if he would return to play Rusty, uh, as he did in Christmas Vacation. Perfect timing. Or if it was just a, a producer role. Hollywood Reporter says... Uh, the series would be set in the suburbs of Chicago, focus on the daily lives of one of their uh, America's favorite favorite families. It would most likely be a HBO Max exclusive if it moves forward. No word yet on if Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo would return. And this would be really weird, uh, considering the Vacation movie with Ed Helms was an official sequel with him playing Rusty, but then again... Rusty's been played by like four different people in terms of all the vacation movies. Granted, it wouldn't be too much of a stretch if he came back as Rusty because so many different people have played Rusty. So, yeah, that, that's coming to HBO Max, possibly. It'd be interesting if that actually happens. Um, a new Pokemon show was announced for YouTube called uh, Pokemon Twilight Wings Wins. One of those two. Uh, set in Galar, six episodes, about 20 minutes each, I think they said, on, on YouTube. Uh, give you an introduction to the Galar region six months after the game comes out. I think they said January, February, so it's not six months, but months after the game comes out. Uh, also, interesting for you fans of The Office, NBC has released full version of Threat Level Midnight. The movie that Michael Scott took years and years to make. It is now available to watch in its entirety. As much of an entirety as you want. On YouTube. All 28 minutes of it. It's pretty good. I watched it. Somewhat entertaining. It's nice to see that stuff a couple years after The Office ended. Anyway. As we wrap up TV. Just want to mention tonight is the last episode of Rick and Morty for a few months. Uh, I, I think they expect it to come in the next uh, few months for the return of season four. It won't be too long. But I got to say, last week's episode with the dragons was different. Very sexual. Um, 
yeah, I, 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 uh, different, very different. I'll just say that it, it was good. I don't, I didn't hate it as much as people dragged it on, on critic wise and things like this, but it wasn't, it wasn't the best Rick and Morty. I'll, I'll say that, but, but what really went down last week were the first three episodes of crisis on infinite earths on the CW, uh, their annual crossover event. And they were really awesome. I, I really enjoyed seeing all the heroes come together. A lot of the cameos that were announced tended to just be the opening cinematics showing their different Earths being destroyed, like Robert Wool and Earth 89, which is a version of Batman from 1989, the Tim Burton one. Uh, he reprised his character from that movie. Uh, the, you know, Birds of Prey and uh, the Titans were shown off. As well as, uh, what was the other show? I can't think of it now. But uh, a lot of the cameos were basically just uh, just there to show, like, hey, those Earths existed. Now, the major cameos, though, and returns, somewhat, I should say. It's not, not super big. Tom Welling, back as Clark Kent from Smallville. Uh, his was an interesting story, that's for sure. Where Oliver Queen ends up is a, another big doozy of a, of a thing. I did not expect his end to come when it did. I, I don't want to spoil it too much for people who haven't watched just yet. The Lucifer cameo was way better than I expected and, and a welcome addition. He lives on Earth 666. And it seems like he has a history with John Constantine and knows about the multiverse as he does say, John, what are you doing on my Earth? And I really hope they explore that more because I know Lucifer's ending on on uh, Netflix with season five. But if they could find a way to bring him in in other ways and keep him as Lucifer, Tom Tom Ellis is his name, I would totally welcome that. Maybe not join the Legends, but have him involved with Constantine in some capacity would be very very interesting to me. Also. Brandon Routh as Superman again is is amazing to see, uh, and then his interactions with him playing Ray uh, Ray Palmer as the Atom are really funny as well. Like they have them in scenes together, and it's like, oh look, whoa, look at that! They look the same. Uh, that's really cool. The way they brought Black Lightning in was really great as well. Uh, it's interesting to see his interactions with the Flash and everything like that. I'm very excited to see where this will go. Unfortunately, we have to wait until middle of January. But hey, that, that allows us to simmer and, and watch some other big stuff like Star Wars coming out in the next couple weeks and The Witcher and get those out of the way. But I really enjoyed the Crisis episodes so far. They're not entirely what I expected, but it also gave some closure to some old DC shows that have had some representation in, in the episodes. Lex Luthor is getting more of a, a ploy than than I expected in, in, in the shows. Oh, and then I forgot to mention, Kevin Conroy's turn as uh, a live-action Bruce Wayne. Very interesting. Uh, did not expect it to go the way it did. And uh, he's... I'll say this, he played a little bit of a version of a Justice Lord character, surprisingly. But I, for one, wish he had a little bit more time in, in, in the shows. Uh, granted, it was nice to see him, though, finally play a live-action version of what the 
of, of him having known as been known as Bruce Wayne for a long time. He did do the voice of old Bruce Wayne from Batman Beyond, so it was interesting to hear that version again. Overall, though, I, I really enjoyed the crises so far. I can't wait to see what they do in January when it comes back. And uh, I wonder how Arrow is going to go from here. I'll say that. Uh, because there are a few episodes of Arrow left. But that's it for TV. A um, little bit of a short week there on TV news. Uh, with a new month coming, though, as always, we do talk about Netflix. Uh, leaving Netflix this month is, at the end of this month, I should say, is probably the, uh, or in January, I should say, is like the shortest list of leaving Netflix I've ever seen. Uh, granted, there's more than what I'm going to mention, but Friends leaves December 31st, remember that. Uh, Mark Marin, his show that was on IFC, seasons 1 through 4, leaves on January 12th. All the Spartacus shows leave on January 31st. Zombieland and American Psycho. Uh, we do have a, a big of a bit longer list, though, coming to Netflix. And, and again, these are just ones that I like. Catch Me If You Can, uh, one of my favorite Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks movies. Uh, separate, not just them. To, that's the only movie they do together. It's one of my favorite Spielberg movies as well. Uh, Chasing Amy, part of the View Askew universe, January 1st. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Patriot Games. Uh, this is interesting because The Fellowship of the Ring just left Netflix, but Two Towers and Return of the King are returning in January. Uh, Tremors is coming to Netflix on the 1st. Ghost Rider. Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2, the first two Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies, uh, Naked Gun 1 and 2, and then BoJack Final Season Part 2 returns on January 31st. A whole lot of other stuff, but again, those are just things that, that I think are interesting, and I think you guys would like those as well. But anyway, let's get into movie news. Uh, Netflix has announced that at least 26 million people watched the Irishman in its first week, which if you did that 26 million times about $13 average movie price, that would equal like a $338 million opening weekend, essentially, uh, over the holiday weekend. That's nuts, man, especially for a Scorsese movie. That's crazy to think about, but that's good too. That means people wanted to watch it. I've yet to check it out. I haven't really had three hours to sit down and watch a movie. Uh, I, I I plan to soon. I love Scorsese, and everyone said it. If you love all his mom movies, you'll love this one. So can't wait to check it out. Um, got the new trailer for Ghostbusters Afterlife. It's essentially just nostalgia porn at its finest. Uh, it's hinting at the family of the main family of the movie will be relatives of of Egon, uh, who was played by Harold Ramis, who passed away a number of years ago. Uh, Paul Rudd looks to be a teacher who was obsessed with the, the Ghostbusters in the 80s. So this is a true sequel. And I, I can't wait to see another trailer. It is still set to release next year. Uh, in unsurprising news, Disney is to become the first studio to cross $10 billion at the box office this year. And that was before, before Star Wars comes out. Just think about that. Before Star Wars comes out and they cross $10 billion at the box office. And Frozen hasn't even crossed a billion as of yet. It might have, actually, now that I think about it. It is Sunday. That, 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 that's insane. That's insane. That's literally insane. $10 billion at the box office for one studio. 
breaking their previous record from like three years ago when they made like $7.3 billion. That's crazy. It's crazy. Sad day in movie movie news. Uh, Jack Black is retiring from acting. And Jumanji may as well be his final role. Yeah, you heard that right. Jumanji, uh, whatever this new one is called, might possibly be Jack Black's final movie role. Now, uh, no clarification on if this includes like voice acting. I Maybe he'll make another Kung Fu Panda. Who knows? Uh, but we do know that he is retiring from normal acting. And uh, it's too bad. I like Jack Black. I like Jack Black a lot. Always have, always will. Rig-a-goo-goo, You know, there's, uh, some classic Jack Black noises. Uh, DC and uh, and Warner Brothers, I should say, more than DC, uh, w- Warner Brothers has announced a slew of release dates for their upcoming movies. Uh, Shazam 2 is set for April of 2022. The Flash is set for July 1st first of 2022 so that movie is finally coming out after many 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 delays i don't even remember who's directing at this point uh they also announced um a couple other things but we'll, we'll get that to that in a second because that's a, a bigger deal some sad news though apparently the studio that was involved in redesigning sonic for the sonic the hedgehog movie has uh had to shut down it's unfortunate i mean they just completed all that work and and unfortunately, it still wasn't enough to keep them afloat. So hopefully, they get new gigs. I mean, if they did work like that, they'll be able to find work elsewhere. I guess it was their Canadian office, though, up in, uh, I think it said Toronto or Vancouver. Vancouver, excuse me, Vancouver. Uh, Hasbro and uh, has announced that a reboot of the Power Rangers is in development. Yes, this means they are going to wipe away that terrible movie that came out a couple years ago and will be going back to the roots as they have announced that the movie will involve time travel with the teenagers going back to the 90s to figure out a way to save the world. And I hope to God we get better outfits and a better looking Zordon and a better looking Alpha and the Zords need to look fucking cool, along with the Megazord, and not this weird, trippy, alien shit they did. Don't get me wrong, the, the, the actors were good in their roles. They didn't come off as teenagers with angst, or whatever their uh, teenagers with attitude, or whatever they called them. And uh, I, please, please just find a way to work in the, the Power Rangers theme song in a better way than what they did in that movie. That That's all I'm asking. The one that is allegedly done by Eddie Van Halen, you know, okay, I'm, t- I'm butchering it, but you know what I mean, you know what I mean, it's the, the song, the go, go, Power Rangers, go, go, Power Rangers, that one, please bring that back, <laughs> uh, Bob Iger, has announced that he is going to sit down with Martin Scorsese in some capacity, whether it be to do something. Uh, This is all in response to that ongoing thing that went on for weeks that we talked about incessantly in his comments in regards to Marvel movies and superhero movies and all that other 
nonsense and it wasn't film wasn't film all these directors coming to the defense of both of both things and it was just uh it was a whole mess but bob Iger wants to sit down with with, with marty in in some capacity to just talk about things and two very powerful hollywood men what i would give to be a fly on that wall would just that'd be an interesting place to be and to be in that conversation, two of Hollywood's most powerful men right there, sitting down, chit-chatting about life and things. Man, that'd be fun. That would be fun to watch. wonder what will come of that. I doubt Scorsese's going to come out of that directing a, a, a Marvel movie, though. I'll say that. So don't, don't get your hopes up just yet. Um, but that that's what's happening in that neck of the woods. Uh, and uh, James Gunn announced that he met with David Ayer, or David Ayer announced that he met with James Gunn in regards to uh, James Gunn's Suicide Squad, which is set for 2021. I guess they were just talking about him making, uh, James Gunn making his Suicide Squad movie and looking to David Ayer to get kind of some input and talk about it. Because technically, while it is a, a reboot, it's also a sequel to his version of the film. As there are some uh, carryover characters from from David Ayer's. And uh, like a lot of people say that the David Ayer version exists somewhere. And might have been okay, but the studio decided to let it get butchered up by the trailer making people. Uh, granted, that's all still rumors and hearsay at this point. But who knows? I don't mind the the Suicide Squad movie. It's okay. There's parts of it that are really good. There's parts of it that are really bad. In the grand scheme of things, it's definitely on the lower end of the DCEU totem pole for me. I still think that Aquaman and Shazam are near the top. I really enjoy Batman vs. Superman. I do like Justice League, but as of right now, those two are are definitely higher on the list than than the others. But that's what's going on in that land. And then J.J. Abrams. Uh, so we're five days away from the release of Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. J.J. Abrams was being interviewed um, with Sora News 24, which is a Japanese outlet. And this was also reported by StarWarsNews.net. And uh, J.J. asks the guy interviewing him, by the way, who's your favorite character? Uh, interviewer goes, me, Ahsoka. Sorry for picking someone who only appears in the animated stuff, but I really like her positive, determined personality. And J.J. responds, hmm, Ahsoka, huh? Well, then you'll probably want to watch closely during the rise of Skywalker. And the interviewer goes, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, what? And Abrams goes, haha, well, enjoy the movie. So Ahsoka is going to be in Rise of Skywalker? What, uh, uh, excuse me, JJ, you can't just be dropping that kind of information in an interview in Japan, sir. Especially, especially less than a week away from release. Why, why, why is this being leaked 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 why is jj talking about it to a guy in japan to like this news outlet 
Why why hasn't this been done in any of the the, the press rounds here in the U.S.? If it's true, obviously we we don't know yet. The movie hasn't even had its premiere. We don't know its rotten score. By the time you guys are hearing this, it'll be a day away from technically release, a day and a half. What 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 are you doing here, JJ? Why are you teasing me like this, huh? Why are you teasing me like this? Ridiculous. And getting back to what I was saying with uh, Warner Brothers announcing their release dates. Little movie called The Matrix 4 is going to be released on May 21st, 2021. And if that date sounds familiar to you, that's because John Wick 4 will be releasing on the same day. Many fans have called for it to be named Keanu Day. Two opposing studios releasing two Keanu movies on the same day. Now, John Wick has a lot of fan power right now. The Matrix has lost a lot of that muster. It's been, it'll be over a decade. Scratch that. It'll be almost two decades since the release of the last two Matrix movies by the time The Matrix 4 comes out. So it'll be interesting to see who has the bigger pull that weekend if they ultimately end up staying on the same day. I don't think so. Those are two movies that will cannibalize each other and neither studio will want to lose out to the other. I foresee them moving. I think John Wick will move before The Matrix does. Uh, We will see if that pans out. But that is definitely something to keep your eye on in 2021 in a year and a half there. And uh, speaking of, of sequels, rumors are now starting to swirl that a Scream 5 might be in the works. Uh, this has already been in, in the rumor mill for a, a couple years now, uh, but it was further fueled by the fact that uh, Hayden Panettiere, who was in the fourth film, is uh, posted a picture of her with the same haircut as uh, her character from Scream 4. So now people think that she's filming Scream 5. No word on if that's true. Uh, Scream 4 came out in 2011, so it's been about eight years. Um, and that's definitely something... Oh, what's going on here? Uh, yeah, uh, 2011. I wonder if they will make another one. It was... Uh, obviously didn't make as much as the other ones. But... It's not, uh, it made its money back, so it's not a failure per se. It didn't do well, though. But hey, I, uh, I can't wait to see if they do that. I've always loved the Scream franchises. Franchises, it's one franchise. I've loved the Scream movies. It's, they're super meta. That's what I've always liked about them. It's, uh, they make fun of the scary movie, uh, genre. They're, they, they're, it's a commentary on the scary movie genre in general, and that's why I very, very much enjoy it. I can't wait to see if uh, what they do with that. Like I said, I, I very much enjoy the Scream movies. But uh, that kind of wraps up movie news. Uh, actually, there's just a few little bit left. Uh, Golden Globe nominations came out. Those are always a good indication of what the Oscar nominations might be. It's um, uh, very interesting to see... 
what's nominated and, and what's not. Uh, here's some big ones. Netflix has three movies in the Best Picture uh, drama category. Uh, those are The Irishman, Marriage Story, and The Two Popes. Uh, the non-Netflix movies are 1917 and Joker. Okay, so that that's a big, big deal right there. Netflix has three of the top drama movies. They also have one of the comedy movies. The best motion picture for musical or comedy are Jojo Rabbit, Knives Out, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Rocket Man, and Dolomite is My Name. While I think Knives Out is a very amazing movie and it, it could definitely win, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood will probably win. As for drama, my money's on 1917. Unfortunately, that does not get a wide release until January. Uh, best performance by an actor in a drama include Christian Bale, Antonio Banderas, who I didn't know was in a movie, Adam Driver, Joaquin Phoenix, Jonathan Price. Best actress in a drama, uh, Scar Jo, uh, Shersha Ronan, Charlize Theron, Renee Zellweger, and Cynthia Erivo, who was in Harriet. Uh, I can see it's probably a toss-up between Renee Zellweger, Charlize Theron, and Scar Jo. As for best actor in a comedy... Uh, it's Daniel Craig, uh, Roman Griffin Davis, who is in Jojo Rabbit, so the main character, uh, Leo, Taron Egerton, and Eddie Murphy. That one's, that's a tough one right there. I cannot make a call on that, that's for damn sure. And then Best Actress in a Motion Picture Comedy is Aquafina, Kate Blanchett, Anna DeArmas in Knives Out, Beanie Feldstein, who was the star of Booksmart, and Emma Thompson uh, for Late Night. Again, I think this might be between... Honestly, I have no idea on that one either. Uh, best Supporting Role in a Motion Picture for Actress. Kathy Bates, uh, Annette Benning, Laura Dern, uh, Jennifer Lopez, and Margot Robbie. I wonder... I think that's... I don't know on that one. That one's a tough one as well. Probably J-Lo for Hustlers. And then Best Supporting Actor... Tom Hanks, Anthony Hopkins, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, and Brad Pitt. I would prefer Brad Pitt wins that one. Uh, and then for best director are Bong Joon-hoon for Parasite. He also did uh, Snowpiercer, if you're familiar with that movie. Sam Mendes for 1917, Todd Phillips for Joker, Scorsese for The Irishman, and Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Those are the biggest awards. Uh, then I should probably go, uh, best animated is Frozen 2, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, Lion King, Missing Link, and Toy Story 4, uh, and I am wondering what will actually end up in that category as well. Those are the big stuff for the Golden Globes. That airs in January, so make sure to keep an eye out on that. Again, those are always a good indicator of what the Oscars will be like. And then final bit of stuff before we talk about The Mandalorian from last week. I uh, did get a loot crate. I think this is the October one, if I'm not mistaken. It, it is Halloween-themed, even though it is December. Uh, I'm just pulling up what's in it. Uh, they don't put in the little booklet anymore, which probably a way to cut costs since they were not doing too well. Uh, it did come with a nice little, like, uh, Dracula pencil sharpener. It's, he's like in a um, in a coffin, but you can sh sharpen your pencils that way. It's really funny. 
Uh, it comes with a Nosferatu pin, which is really cool. Nosferatu is one of the original uh, vampire movies ever made, black and white, back in the day. Silent film. A Lost Boys postcard set. Uh, looks like this first one says, fun fact, the town of Santa Clara... Oh, excuse me, the town of Santa Carla isn't real. The movie was actually filmed in and around Santa Cruz. The town's iconic beach boardwalk provided the backdrop for several scenes. Uh, it also came with a like a tote bag, and I'm failing to remember what is on it right now. Uh, wait, never mind, it's right here. It's a black bag, and it's got Night of the Living Dead. Oh, the original Night of the Living Dead, back from the 70s. Uh, and then it also came with a shirt that says, uh, Dead, but it's a Deadpool shirt. And it's got a little, like, kid Deadpool playing with chalk. And it says, oh, hi, I didn't see you there. So, even though it's Halloween-themed and kind of spooky stuff, it's got Deadpool as well, which is always fun. Uh, I'm, I'm always digging Deadpool stuff. So, that's Loot Crate. And uh, to cap off this week's episode, we review The Mandalorian, as always. Uh, this was Mandalorian Episode 6. There's uh, just two more left until the finale. Uh, next week's episode, we will talk about along with Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. I am seeing open. I am seeing the movie opening night. Uh, Mandalorian premieres the day before on Wednesday. Anyway, uh, so if you're listening, you should be able to watch the Mandalorian right now. Anyway, uh, Bill Burr, huh? How about that, guys? Huh? Bill Burr. In my horrible attempt to do a Bill Burr voice, somehow he was the the one thing. Star Wars needed this whole time. And he doesn't even do anything crazy. He just is Bill Burr as a bounty hunter in Star Wars. And and somehow that's perfect. And and there's this hilarious line where someone's talking about how he's a used to be the best sharpshooter in the in the Imperial Army and the Mandalorian cracks like, "Oh yeah, that's saying much." And he turns around, Bill Burr turns around and says, "I wasn't a stormtrooper, you wise ass." Like Oh my god, and just like every other thing with him in the episode, best thing in the episode by far was Bill Burr. Clancy Brown's in it as well, uh, and then uh, an actress, can't think of her name, but she also played uh, Tonks in the Harry Potter movies. She plays a Twi'lek female who's who's really cool. Uh, different, uh, Interesting take on, on an episode. They infiltrate a rebel, excuse me, not a rebel, a New Republic prison ship to uh, rescue someone. Uh, also, we got Matt Lanter's first on-screen appearance in a Star Wars property. He was the voice of Anakin for a long time on the Clone Wars show. Nice to see him in live action. Now, if we can only get a, a live action appearance of James Arnold Taylor, the long-time voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi on, on Clone Wars as well, we'd now have the duo both on screen in some capacity. Other than that, the episode, uh, a little slow, a little slow, uh, Different take on, on the Star Wars universe, that's for sure. I, for one, very much enjoyed it, just mainly because Bill Burr, and it was a different take on things that that you don't really expect to see in a Star Wars show. A little bit more comedy, a little bit more adult themes. It's hinted that the, the Mandalorian and the Twilight female have a past and a history. But other than that, I very much enjoyed the episode. It was a big departure from, from last week's fan service episode. Uh, it, it is unfortunate, though, that a lot of these cameos... Have been kind of short-lived. Granted, there's there's two episodes left after this, so that that could change. I doubt it, though. But that is something I I hope 
we can see more of these people in, in the next couple episodes, if possible. I would really like to see Bill Burr back in some capacity. Maybe he only did one episode for season one. Uh, if they bring him back for another season, uh, another episode, I, I am totally 100% on board with him coming back. Hell, even if you do a, a, like a spinoff with him, like sign me the fuck up, I'll take it. Because his character was great. Like I said, I love Bill Burr. And he's one of my favorite comedians. But like I said, somehow this is exactly what Star Wars needed. And him playing just himself as a bounty hunter was fucking perfect. Like, I, I, I just give me that all the time. I'm like, I, I, that's how good it was. But like I said, it's a very somber episode. Not somber, but it's, it's different from what you expect. Um, Dave Filoni, the creator of the Clone Wars and Star Wars Resistance and Rebels and stuff. And part of this show actually has a cameo. So does the director Rick Famuyiwa. I can't say his last name. He's directed a couple episodes of The Mandalorian. uh, Some big movies. Dope. He almost did The Flash. Uh, And then... um, Can't think of her name. But she's she's directed an episode of The Mandalorian. And will be directing the entire Obi-Wan series. They were all in... The episode is as New Republic pilots, so I, I really, really enjoyed seeing them. But other than that, uh, that's it for Nixner News this week, guys. Thank you for stopping by. As always, check out nixnernews.com. There you can find links to all our social media pages, uh, or you can see all of our social media in one handy-dandy place. Follow us on those social medias at nixnerdnews, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Also, on nixnernews.com, you can find this show where you can listen right in your browser if you want to listen to past episodes, or if you prefer to listen on the go, you'll find links to our Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify pages. Uh, so check that out. Uh, in the new year, I, I do hope to make some changes on the website just to bring some more stuff. I, I did start it just about a year ago, and I really dropped the ball on that, and, and that's on me, but hopefully... Things will change in 2020, new decade. Uh, Next week, be on the lookout. I will have a, will end the show with a review for The Rise of Skywalker. And also be talking about The Mandalorian. As well as uh, a recap, uh, if you will, of 2019. uh, As uh, if if I don't fit that in though into next uh, next week's episode as it will be Christmas Day. Uh, maybe it will just be a Star Wars focused episode. Uh, at least come the new year, as the episode following that will release on New Year's Day, it will be a recap of 2019, my favorites, my uh, tops, tens, things like this. Uh, and possibly, if we can fit it in, a top 10 of the decade. If not, we'll find a way to work that in somehow in the next few weeks in the first episodes of 2020 as a new decade begins, folks. We are on the precipice of a new decade in the 21st century. And on that note, we have come to the end of this week's episode. Thank you guys for sticking it out. Like I said, it was a long episode. We had a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff to talk about. Otherwise, I will catch you guys on the flip side. Happy holidays, and I will see you on Christmas Day.